My name is nobody. I can't tell you my last name. I can't tell you where I live. But I can tell you that this is The Axe Files, a show where a handful of weirdos reread every single Animorphs book in order. And I'm joined by the most wanted criminal this side of the Andalite homeworld. It's Vivian. I still kind of put that in question just because, you know, the Animorphs exist. (laughs) (laughs) Especially with this one being a literal prison break. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, they didn't. Well, we'll talk about it. And, of course, we're also joined by the most elegant screen on Earth. It's Kate. Hey, good morning or afternoon or night or whatever you're listening to this. <laughs> good arbitrary yes. time frame. <laughs> That's the fun thing about podcasts, is that we have no idea when our viewers or our, our listeners are going to be listening. So Yes. It, it's just kind of amusing how often both you and I have accidentally said viewers and not listeners. Well, viewers is the normal word this. for an audience, but... Yeah, but this isn't a video what production. <sighs> I mean, really, really, the only video anything we do is my like weekly Let's Play of like silly nonsense, like watching me get a bunch of Pokemon killed in the Nuzlocke. I mean, I stream <laughs> games all the time. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, true, but that's not related to the... the the overall show, really. No, not at all. You said it was the only video thing we do, and it's not true. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I meant, like, we as in, like, the Us Weirdos. Oh, uh, yes, Us Weirdos, LLC. Trademark, trademark, <laughs> copyright. Uh, you're, just re- you're just reminding me that we're going to have to actually do stuff with, like, taxes next year with the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're here to finish a book today. Yeah. Uh, I love saying those words. Uh... Yeah, this is this is our last episode focused on book five, which means we're just about finished with our first full cycle. <laughs> uh, I still don't consider a first full cycle until we actually get to one that has Axe, though. Because again, like, I was expecting Axe way later on to join up, or like it would be like, oh, surprise, he's narrating this book because he's joining up in this one or whatever. I mean, I guess that's reasonable, but to my mind, it's a full cycle when we've finished and gone back to the beginning, even if not everybody's there yet. Yeah. Like, Act true. just isn't yeah. in the I guess that makes cycle. Sense. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he, he is, he just And the narrate. second cycle is going to be interrupted <laughs> with the Megamorphs. It sure is. Because, yeah, they oh. got... Oh boy. <laughs> Six, seven, Megamorphs, eight. So. Yeah, so we're like two more books away from the first Megamorphs book. Well, uh huh. Oh, that one's going to take us so long. How many? That's uh, 44 chapters. How? how... <laughs> yeah, are the Megamorphs books 44 long? isn't oh, yes. that bad. It's. 44. Oh, 44. Okay, yeah, that's about <laughs> twice as long as. Are are the are the chapters still as long as they normally are? Uh, I think they kind of tend a little shorter, but it's it's definitely a okay, longer yeah, book I, overall. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I just open it up and I'm just scrolling through to see the chapter lengths, and like they're still like two to three pages long each. It's just yeah, like you say, it's like twice as long as yeah. the book in general <laughs> chapters wise. But yeah, uh, we'll get to that soon enough. Today we are here to talk more about the Predator. Uh. You know, last time we left off, uh, everyone turned into ants, and it was the worst, and it was terrible. <laughs> but they got the thing they were looking for, and they built the distress signal, and it, it, there, it was bad. And a whole bunch of bad guys showed up, and also the big bad guy. So we're just kind of standing in a Doctor Who alien quarry, and getting shot uh, at. Also, they let they let an entire mall and uh, 
you know, grocery store and know that aliens exist. <laughs> because they're bad at everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that they're bad at everything. I would say that Axe is bad under pressure. <laughs> Well, I mean, you could say that about all the kids, then. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Ex like, ex like, except except maybe Jake and Rachel and Tobias. Do I need to remind you of the time Jake tried to attack yeah. attack a Horkbajir with a pipe? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, none true. of them are great under pressure. I mean, Ra he Rachel, also... I think, yeah, I, I mean... Ra Rachel's... Well... Yeah, I mean, it, in all these cases, they always thought they were, like, seconds mm -hmm. away from death. <laughs> And they didn't realize they could, like, uh... I mean, they knew they had the power of the morph at that point, but they hadn't really the, tested it out when... Yeah, the only the two that have really demonstrated that they're good under pressure are... Rachel, possibly, and Tobias. Yeah, like, Tobias under pressure realizes, yeah, I could Tobi steal that guy's gun and blow Tobias up Tobias under spaceship. pressure killed seven people. <laughs> at a minimum. At, at a minimum. <laughs> and almost his friends. <laughs> Well, I mean, you bring up the Jake and the Pipe thing pretty frequently, but, like, yeah, it was not a smart thing to do, but I feel like it was a relatively reasonable reaction. He was okay with this guy. He liked this Andalite guy, and someone was gonna try to murder him, so, like, I get it. It's not smart, but it's understandable. There's only one possible, like, just from a purely <laughs> practical standpoint, a pragmatic one, there's only one possible outcome of that action. You know, and it's oh, not yeah. the one you want. You're not gonna get that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. Andalites yeah, have I'm, those skinny still... deer legs. If you can get him real quick, then he's on the ground, and you have to get him. <laughs> you've got a moment before he can morph. <laughs> I guess we're just assuming they have the skinny deer legs, like deer. <laughs> the left, the... I mean, he's equated to being basically like a the, deer with the way they're tail and the way they're scion powers, but the way they're described is is they're they're rather life. They're they're kind of thin, graceful. I can't imagine they would, and they're like yeah, you, like we'll we'll get descriptions later that even though they do have like the back half of like a quadrupedal animal, that they're not suited for riding because mm -hmm. that part of them is too small and also s sort of slanted down. So yeah, for sure they're like oh uh, okay, uh, they they're more like deer than horses. It's okay. it's kind of a weird right because in all the art they're portrayed as very centaur esque with the burly horse body and that's just not what the text describes at well, all. The fucking art is stupid. I think I think that the uh, I mean it's good art. <laughs> it's just like not always book accurate, especially not the morphing sequences. The uh, like I, I think though that the Horkbajir are pretty accurately depicted. They're basically how I pictured them, anyway. Um, Honestly, I think the only one of the art pieces that really captures what Andalites, even close to captures what the Andalites are supposed to look like, is the one that I'm dropping in chat right now. This is from a book that we will see a couple years from now. Is it but, like, from the Horkbajir Chronicles? That sure is. Is it, yeah. is it, is it Aldrea? <laughs> Uh -huh. Okay, yeah, I know the one you're talking about, exactly. But the thing is, Aldrea is a lady, so she's allowed to look, like, skinny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, uh, it's like all the times where it's like, you see, like, uh, 
What is it? Like all the times where it's like, oh, here's like the lion people mm. race. The dudes always look like straight up lions standing on their back feet. The ladies are like just yeah, people yeah, <laughs> with like maybe a little bit of like. To be uh, fair, like well, sometimes sensors. they're more cat like. Like, I don't know. But the, to be fair, lions actually do have a lot of sexual dimorphism just in nature. So it. True. Yeah. I would exp- I, yeah, I mean, they straight up narrate. They straight up carry that over to yeah, Pokemon if, if, with Pyro. If you're making, if you're making a lion people species, then I would, I would imagine there would be some difference. If they're tiger people, uh, not so much. Yeah, but but it's also usually like the women are just hot lady with like one slight like re- uh, representation of like animal people. I mean, I can't really think of anything they that don't. Ha- that's like that. I mean, maybe thinking of the. Leonin from Magic the Gathering, and they're usually not yeah, like that. More but... or less, the only difference between Leonin is whether they've got mains or not. Yeah, so. and some planes, they none of them do. Mm-hmm. Like in uh, New Capenna, none of them have mains. Yeah. But yeah, um, the only other uh, art that I can think of, that, that the one I was sending failed, it's not going to show up in chat, mm-hmm. is... Um, this here, in which Andalites are revealed to have uh, exoskeletal scales and horns. That's, <laughs> that's weird. And also, like, really, really short uh. torsos. Yeah, uh, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. This is, like, it's what it... a, a actual official promotional art. It was used for the Taco Bell toys and also the uh, card game. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think we should so. limit the, the amount I, of I was... visual media we have in this this audio podcast but <laughs> i mean generally that's correct but if i'm going to provide esoterica you have to see it i can't just tell you oh there's this thing. okay well we do we have, we have to tell like the the uh listeners like what you google to find it so they can find it <laughs> yeah i mean i can just I include it like... in the episode notes it's not hard okay yeah I was, I was about to say, I'm surprised that there was a card game, but then again, I was like, but it was a property in the 90s, so of course there was a card game. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like a collectible card game. It was, you bought pre-built decks, but... <laughs> oh, so there weren't booster nope. packs? Can, you can, like, edit the decks at I all? I mean, I guess you could mix them up, but... <laughs> huh, weird. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess, like, because, like, I mean, whenever you think of, like, traded, like, collectible card games like that, it's always like, yeah, you have, like, the starter decks, but you also have booster packs, which is where all the well, good it's cards not a collectible are, but you need to game. pay so much to get them. It's more like a smash-up or something, where you buy pre-built decks and play against each well, other. Then they missed, they missed a cynically okay. exploitative 90s business opportunity, where they could have included free cards yeah. or even booster packs with the books, huh. and then <laughs> through that, like, said, hey, kids... See this this trading card. You can get more of them. Go go play with your friends, and then like if you were able to find people who were nerdy enough, you'd be able to do that. <laughs> now I'm not like yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying, and I know this from experience because I played card games all through the '90s. When you include free cards in books, people just steal them. Is the thing? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> And remember the ancient Mew card that you got if you went and saw Pokemon 2000? I do. I I, I still have that card. <laughs> I used to have... I mean, I used to have my cards for the longest time, but at some point I basically, like, uh, sold or gave away all of them except, like, a water deck, which I think I still have somewhere, but I have no idea where. And I'm pretty sure all those cards would be illegal by today's standards because they're all, like, stuff from, like, pre-2003. I don't know... <laughs> 
it's like stuff like oh it's t it's like the team aqua and magma expansion and it's like i'm sure those gardens are probably banned now because they're 20 years old <laughs> also if they're not it's like there's just so much fucking power creep in pokemon these days where it's like there's pokemon with 300 hp who do cards damage. <laughs> should never die okay listen huh listen like mm-hmm. if if you're not playing magic with with like 30 fireballs and 30 channels you are do, no, sorry. Thir- uh, just Black Lotus Fireball and Channel. You're doing it wrong. That's tr- that's real magic. Huh. Your deck should still only have twelve Pokemon, four Charmanders, four Charmeleons, and four Charizards. All base set. <laughs> that we've Nothing else. Two Dungeons and Dragons magic sets, and neither one of them had Lightning Bolt in it. Is uh, just a blistering. <sighs> we, we we should stop talking about card games. Yes. Um, Scott, we're here to talk about. <laughs> Uh, yes. So, I will go ahead and jump in with my chapter, chapter 19, which I have called It All Goes Wrong Again. <laughs> um, so Visser 3 is here now, and he's just kind of lording it over the Animorphs, who are more or less at point-blank range in the uh, quarry here. And he's just kind of taunting them, you know, because, like, they used this old, old frequency that Axe knew, and... It didn't work on account of the Yerks knew that it was an old, old frequency, so they could set a trap. It was <sighs> basically exactly the opposite of it's an old code, but it checks out from Star Wars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's still just like, it's such a silly ex- reasoning for why to get caught compared to what I was thinking last week of like, well, obviously, like, they fucking realized that they just took the transponder. Ah. And because uh, Chapman noticed that his lawn was all fucked up, <laughs> so he obviously reported something to be like, yo, just make sure <laughs> if anything comes in the next day or two, it's probably <laughs> us. <laughs> I mean, Axe said specifically that they wouldn't notice the Transponder was missing, so, like... But they would notice their lawn all fucked up because pe- kids burst out of it. Yes, he would notice his lawn was messed up, but with any other data point without anything else his lawn is messed up you've got nothing like come on <laughs> i understand that you're paranoid but that does not mean andalites <laughs> i guess but, i mean they know there are andalites <laughs> they've seen multiple times they had confirmation that there's an andalite because he was in the mall just a few days and ago there's like security cameras <laughs> in the mall you know i i feel like yeah. the yurks probably would have like excised those or gotten rid of them gotten rid of the footage somehow they probably don't want humans to know that there are andalites on the planet any more than like actually no the, the kids would very yeah. much like kid, people to know that they'd very much like people to know about the years. that's explicitly what they want yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh I don't know. I get. I mean, I guess overall, like the fact that the Yurks under Visser Three being competent is kind of the focal point of this whole stretch of chapters, huh? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. No, it's it, the, the, this this part of the book really does reveal that Visser Three is kind of a moron. Like canonically, he's he's bad at his job canonically. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, I I have to wonder now. Just on that same topic, how did he get the title of Visser 3? Is it just because he has the Endolite body that they're like, I guess he's just grandfathered in, in a sense? Uh, doesn't, don't we, like, actually learn more about Visser 3's backstory later? I know we... We definitely do learn more about his backstory, but I don't think we get anything about how he actually got... We learn, we actually learn a lot, we actually learn a lot more about Visser 1 than, than Visser 3. <laughs> like, like yeah. I mean, in, in, 
like later books about like talking about their backstories and stuff. Uh, we yeah. we learn a lot about Visser One. We don't learn mm-hmm. a whole lot, lot about Visser Three actually. But yeah, uh, I <laughs> I assume it's just like I forget what that what they call it. Uh, so, something's law, but like you're just everyone is promoted to their highest to their uh lowest level of incompetence. In other words, like you're you're promoted until you're bad at your job, and then you just stick there, basically. <laughs> like it's like oh, Visser, okay, Visser three, you're you're you'll get to number ten right now, and we'll we'll just see how far you can get before you just fuck up. <laughs> He's like, God damn it! I've been stuck at three for like eight years. God, well, if I he if, get higher. if he fails <laughs> at the invasion of Earth, he's probably fucked. <laughs> yeah, that's. I I mean, you one would think, but at the same time, you'd also think he has fucked up enough that he would have been demoted by now. He's <laughs> not, not though. That's not like ex- he's very specifically explicit. not. The Yorks don't know there's Andalites on yeah, Earth. Explicitly, no one but Visser Three and his. But Visser One Vi- knows. Visser One knows, but Visser One like once. We'll get into that. Uh, as as we as we go through, uh, Council of Thirteen Listen. doesn't. I guess Visser One isn't in charge of the Earth invasion, but Visser One does live on Earth, so you kind of have to loop him in. Like, <laughs> yeah, Visser One should be though, <laughs> for several reasons. <laughs> but I, I mean, seemingly she was responsible for it even starting, which we'll get to that later, but, like, why didn't she just get pushed off to the side to let a stupid underling do it instead? Uh, because Visser 3 can turn into a giant monster and eat any enemy of the York Empire he wants. <laughs> I guess. But, like, also, I feel like turning into a giant monster is a clear sign of there's an enemy invasion undergoing because you're not a human. <laughs> also, again, he's not human, he can't blend in. <laughs> like Visser 1 can. I mean, he could. Yeah, but he, but he won't. I feel like he's. I feel like he'd be like, I don't want to morph into a gross human. <laughs> it's nasty. You only got two legs. What the fuck? Everyone will think I'm just a normal loser lurk who has a, a standard human. <laughs> yeah, they got. They gotta know I'm the specialist boy in the galaxy. <laughs> But, um, yes. So, they're all in Battle Morphs, and he comments a little bit about this. He talks about how beautiful Jake is, and, like... <laughs> uh... I mean, he kind of he said as much about the tiger back in book two, right? When, like, Chapman was explaining that uh, his cat, which was actually Rachel, was, like, at least related to the tiger? Uh, not exactly. I mean, he definitely did praise the cat specifically and say that it was similar to a tiger, but he didn't talk about how much he liked tigers, you know what I mean? Well, he's into animals that can murder, and even he was like, "Oh, the cat would be great if actually it had a small, uh, like, like a large enough skull to fit with yeah. us." <laughs> Which the tiger is that? Yeah, it's Axe. Of course, is still in his body, his regular body, because he doesn't have a battle morph. So I guess confirmation that there's Andalites indirectly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good job, good job, fucking it up, Axe. Right. Yeah. Um. X does actually want to talk to Visser 3, but Jake, like, private messages him to shut up, so... <laughs> There's that, at least. They're, they're, Jake and friends are very careful about never talking to the Visser, but uh, Axe is not, so... <laughs> um, One of the reasons that, that Jake and the others are cautious about that is they don't want to give away that they're human. Axe doesn't <laughs> have that, that yeah. concern, because he's not human. Yeah, exactly. But uh, 
Also, also, it's like, yeah, like, they they are enough just in general pissed at Visser 3 that they're just, like, being like, I've said too much, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they just keep their mouths shut compared to Axe, who actually legitimately has a chip on his shoulder because he's dealt with the Yorks a lot longer than they have, or at least known about them longer, and, you know, his brother kind of got killed by Visser 3. I'm... So he's kind of got an axe to grind. I'm a little curious about how this ex- is experienced for Visser 3. Because Axe is saying something, he starts to talk, and then Jake yells at him to shut up in a way that Visser 3 can't hear. So to Visser 3, it's just someone saying, like, I think... <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's Axe starting to say, fuck you, but it's just like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine that must be very strange in thought speech is all. Um, yeah, uh, the blade ship shows up because uh, Visser 3 is here, so the blade ship is here, obviously. And uh, Rachel suggests that they should make a run for it, but uh, they can't make a run for it on account of none of them are in, like, morphs that could dodge laser beams. <laughs> and there's so many laser beams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like how it's Rachel who suggested me. Well, it's like, Rachel, you are the largest fucking target of all of them. <laughs> well, yeah, but she'd probably be okay. If I recall correctly, she got shot with a laser beam in the first book and was fine. <laughs> I, I don't think that was a Dracon beam, though, because Dracon beams disintegrate <laughs> whatever they hit. Nah, you can shrug off a Dracon. It only disintegrates you if it kills you. <laughs> <laughs> we have not seen it do that at all. We've seen it destroy things immediately, like construction equipment. <laughs> um, like, out of all of them, like, Jake and Tobias probably had the best, and, and I guess also Cassie probably had the best chance of actually dodging some lasers, but, like, there's still, like, a hundred dudes pointing guns at them. They'll get hit eventually. Well, I mean, like, don't get me wrong, Tigers are incredibly fast and agile, but they can't keep it up. They're not an endurance species, so he's got, like, yeah. 15, 20 seconds of super speed, and then he's just puttering along. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um... But yeah, uh, so he, Visser 3 is going to take them up to the mothership to show them off to Visser 1, and he wants them in their morphs for this because of how impressive it is that he could capture a tiger and a gorilla and an elephant, I guess. I feel like capturing a bunch of endolites would be more impressive, but whatever. Um, I, I would think it would go like this, right? Like, ah, Visser 1, I have captured the andalite bandits, and Visser 1 says... What Andalite bandits? You never told us there were more Andalites on the planet. What are you, some kind of idiot? <laughs> yeah, like, there, there's there's one there, obviously, but these are a bunch of human world animals. <laughs> now, she doesn't know there's Andalites, so him showing them to her is admission. V- yeah, Visser v- v- oh, has, yeah. like, yeah. specifically not told anyone about this. So he's been trying to hide the fact that there are still Andalites because it would be embarrassing for him. And... Like mm-hmm. showing them the ad- showing someone else the andalites that he caught is <laughs> is basically just tantamount to the fact like admitting that he hid important information from his superiors. Yeah, it's like ah, look at this, I did it, and it's like wait, you were fucking something. Yeah, you else had for, something like, to months? do. Like mm. you did it, sure, <laughs> but you had something to do. We didn't know that. You should have told us. Not only that, but he specifically reported to his superiors that he had killed all the Andalites. <laughs> yes. Ah, yes, I've captured more Andalites. Worse, like, like praise me. And it's like, you had more Andalites to capture? Yeah. Yeah. These were Andalites were not part of that attack force. They, they're different isolated different, ones that came here in a smaller ship. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely different, not related De- whatsoever. To be fair, on this. like, 
that that is, with the exception of Axe, that is true. Also, they're not analytes, but <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't know that they are not related to to the original. As Ken in Visit Three doesn't know a lot of things. <laughs> and, and and he was uh, with the exception of Axe, he was right that he did get rid of all the Andalites. <laughs> and, and if I was I was if I was like a Yerk, I probably wouldn't count Axe. I I would like me as a human, but like I doubt the Yerks would care all like all that much about a a cadet, you know? Like yeah, uh, like twelve-year-old like Andalite <laughs> in the dome ship. Okay, <laughs> basically a a passenger. Like I see where you're going with that, but an Andalite is a valuable host body. That's true. Like, yeah, even if yeah, he's like, young, even if he is, he's a gonna kid. grow up eventually. Yeah. <laughs> the only reason that they haven't been hell bent on capturing these guys is because Visser Three wants to be the only one with an Andalite, and so he's like cheating yeah. and trying to murder them. Yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, yeah, so they got forced into the spaceship at gunpoint. Uh, there's a little bit of um, Hork-Bajir language here, but it's very... Uh, it does a thing that sometimes sci-fi fantasy does, where it just sort of mixes in random nonsense words and says its language in a phrase that doesn't actually really make sense at all. Um... <laughs> I mean that's how we've always that's how we've seen them talk in the past. They they talk in a mixture of Gallard and English. They do. I'm just saying, like, yeah. from what we see of what he says here, or they say, it's does not make grammatical sense. Like, there can't be a direct translation between the Gallard words and the English words, and it be a correct sentence. It... <laughs> So wait, every time y'all say the name of that language, I just keep thinking you're mispronouncing Galar from Pokemon. Nope. I mean, basically, it's the same spelling, <laughs> but with a D at the end. Oh, okay, Galar. Ah. Gotcha. Um, I, I wasn't hearing the D. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so they all get in the ship, and as they board, Marco realizes that um, tomorrow is Sunday, the anniversary of his mom's death, and his dad will be going to visit her grave alone on account of Marco is going to die in space today. Huzzah! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Hooray! Uh, <laughs> uh, and then, of course, uh, we'll move into chapter 20, which I will call Terrible Revelations. Um, So they get put into, like... I guess it's a cell on the York ship, but it's basically just a steel room. Uh, I, I'm very curious about this room, if I'm honest, because there's no, it's black, dimly lit steel, and the, is the steel glowing? Is the, I assume there would be a light. I would bulb, imagine but... there are dim lights, <laughs> dimly lighting the steel. Yeah, but that's not as cool as if the metal glows. <laughs> uh. I just want the Yerks to have something cool, okay? Um. <laughs> no, the Yerks are just the, the biggest lamos in the galaxy, apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Marco makes a dumb joke, because he always has to, and Cassie suggests that we should just demorph, because if they realize that we're not Andalites, they'll let us go. And, you know, obviously not, and she knows that, but she just wants to say something for the sake of saying something. It's one of those, we have a problem mm -hmm. situations. Um. 
Jake, of course, insists that they stay animals because he actually has some foresight. And, uh, yeah, Marco just starts reflecting on everyone that the Animorphs know, their families, their friends, and how everyone will never know what happened to them because they died in space. <laughs> he's, yeah. I understand why he's fixated on that, but he's he's thinking a lot about dying in space right now. Um and then uh, then a window opens, and they're looking down on the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, well, Earth, really, but Gulf of Mexico has a hurricane in it, so that's what really sticks out to him. And Marco talks a little bit about... I'm, I'm going to quote this. Through the eyes of the animals of Earth, but with the minds of human beings, we look down at our planet. And that's just a little more poetic than he usually gets. Yeah, so. but I like it. I think it's warranted here. Absolutely. She's just, this is very much the, I looked out the window and saw the majesty of Earth below me. But she, she's trying to sell the space thing real hard here. <laughs> uh, apparently, the Yerks opened this window so that when the ship rotated away, their captive Andalites would despair as they observed the mothership. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess, sure. They're, they're okay. Um, now, this thing is really kind of gross. It's a big sphere-shaped ship, and then it's got, like, these big tendrils about a quarter mile long dangling out the bottom, and also three big old legs. It's like a cross between jellyfish and a weird, um, dog thing. Uh, X is just, like, casually explaining the way the ship works. The big three legs are the engines, apparently, and the the jellyfish tentacles are weapons and also the shipboard Kendrona, so <sighs> Yeah, it I mean at least he pays attention in spaceship anatomy class. Yes. <laughs> Even if he doesn't well, pay attention listen, in school. Some people <laughs> have like different interests and they pay attention more in some classes than others. You know. Hmm. I zoned out in history class a lot, but I really paid attention in science. <laughs> Yeah. Axe explains that this cannot be seen by radar, which I don't think radar can reach space, can it? It would have to be, like, satellite positioning. Uh, um, yeah. Like, you... Ra radar requires sound, I think. Doesn't it? That's my understanding, yeah. Uh, I, f I feel like there's, like, radio... Like, radio detection that you could use. But if if they have, like, a cloak or something like that, then... You know. Yeah, X does say it would normally be invisible to eyes, so... <laughs> they, they specifically turned off the cloaks, just, like, to intimidate them, which... Yep. I just, if... Say what you want about Visker 3, he does know how to be dramatic. He is an extremely dramatic person. <laughs> that is his primary skill, I would argue. Like, like the... Yeah, it's like the one thing he actually knows. <laughs> he's like, I, I am great at the performance. Oh I'm not good at any oh other fucking thing. He's an incompetent blowhard <laughs> who's a really good showman. He is Donald Trump. Like, 100%. Uh -huh. Oh, yep, uh-huh. There yep. it is. Yep. <laughs> he knows jack shit about everything else. He's terrible at everything that he's put into power for. But he knows how to at least yeah. put on a show. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um... <laughs> Okay, now we need to try to think of a, a way to combine. It's Visser already. Visser, he's already. I'd rather like, not. I think it's already done. <laughs> I think. I think it's this. That's just. No, I mean, like, I mean, like the. Oh. I mean, like the yeah, name. I'd rather not. That's not going to be a good sound, no matter how you do yeah. it. Yeah. Um. I mean, the sump. Come on, no. Um. 
so Axe apologizes a little bit because, you know, it's a beautiful planet and it's kind of his fault that they're all going to die. And Marco agrees, actually, but he doesn't say it. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I do want to yeah, say, it, it, Vivian, you did just post Visser Threemp in the chat. And while that is not like that, I just reading that I would not be able to tell what you were going for. I, it, it is a funny word. Threemp. Three. Trump for three. Uh, also, yeah, very funny that Marco is not wrong here by by wanting to say, yes, yes, you are responsible for the sex. Uh, Only vaguely. You couldn't deal with being home on Earth. You couldn't deal with being away from home and stuck on Earth for a bit. Well, to be, <laughs> fighting alongside us and to be fair, everyone went in on the planet because they thought it would be helpful to get Axe home and actually try to get help. Um, but yeah. Axe is the one who decided to use a True. compromised frequency to do this. Well, he didn't know it was compromised. If they've used, yeah, if he, they've he didn't used it to that. trick the Yerks before, and the Yerks know that, it stands to reason the Yerks would have switched frequencies. <laughs> Listen, Axe pays attention in mechanical engineering class, not battle tactics, okay? Well, he's a <laughs> fucking space cadet in the military. He should. He should have done that. <laughs> Yeah, but he's also a he's also a bad student. He doesn't pay the fuck attention. <laughs> right. This is canon. He's yeah, what admitted I, no, this what much. I'm saying is there is merit to the fact that this is a little bit, at least a little bit, partially Axe's fault. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, Marco kind of starts muttering about how this was supposed to be his last mission, and he just took one too many, and this is how it always goes. You can't say it's your last mission, because then you die. Um, exactly. He, he's he's been thinking this whole time. I was two one yeah, day exactly. till retirement, and then meanwhile, uh -huh. yeah, and that means like, well, uh, sorry, Marco. Turns out you're the secret mentor character here, and uh, as we all know, the you only can't one mention that dies. you have uh, two days till retirement. You can't mention that you have a girl back home. You <laughs> you you can't mention that. You can't mention like that, that you. You can't really mention yeah, you exactly. can have a family because, of course, you're gonna get got, or they yeah. or they're gonna get got. <laughs> uh. Yeah, uh, so the, the blade ship docks with the mothership here, and they move in and start to see Yerk crewmen, and this is really interesting to me because they are in uniform, and like, this is the first mention of orc or Taxons wearing clothes, but they're specifically wearing Yerk uniforms here, and so, like, I'm just curious about this on a, a practical standpoint, because the Yerks are so interested in, like infiltration and subversion i don't know why they came up with a uniform in the first place it seems obvious i think i think it's i think it's just for this purpose to be like you are my soldier don't fuck around with those they're not people, in kind of uniforms deal. on uh on earth they're earth. only in uniforms yeah. on the spaceships but that raises another question because if clothing is such a uniquely human thing which it seems to be like we don't really see any wear clothing other than humans mm -hmm. in the future, and Andalites are always very confused by the concept when they're first introduced to it. So where did they get the idea for uniforms from? Yeah. I, I wonder if it's just like a sash or something. Like it's not actual clothing, but they, it's like distinct enough that it's like, oh okay, that's maybe. like their signifier, so that's why they're calling them uniforms. Because also, how would Hork Bajir or Taxons wear That's like true. shirts? How, how would a Taxon wear pants? <laughs> like this? Would a Taxon like wear this. pants like this on their ass or like this across all their Ta uh, body? Taxon, their no, listen, we already did an If an Andalite wore pants episode. We can't do this again. Well, 
we can we can uh, have true. a running joke. Ta- ta- taxons would wear uh, like it'd be like a big bag, and then it'd have a little bunch of little, <laughs> little tiny like little tiny legs for all their little centipede limbs. It's honestly like they they just get them a really <laughs> tall bed sheet, and they just cut some little holes in it, like the shitty no, like, they, ghost they, costume for kids. For them to be pants, there would need to be some kind of pant leg. They just be very short because and because taxons have little centipede legs. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I'm kind yeah. of imagining just a giant tube sock with leg holes. Yeah, basically, um, it's just a big, it's just a big tube sock with leg holes. <laughs> it's it's like whenever my ferrets used to go inside like a long sleeve shirt and then poke their head out on the in the front of the a big tube, yeah, more or less a big tube, and it's I think <laughs> just stuck in there. Okay, yeah, we'll keep going. Uh, yes. Uh, so then they start to get a little bit maudlin because. You know, they're on the mothership now, and Axe reports that they've used about 40% of their time, so Marco has to convert that into minutes, which is to say 48 minutes, which means that the York ship it's... did just make it into the orbit really fast. Um, yeah, but I do also like the recurring kind of joke that Axe can keep track of time so well, but he only does it in percentages, <laughs> so he has to keep making the kids do math in like Harry's situation. I mean, they'll be pretty good at percentages when they make it up to, uh, what is it, Algebra 1? Um. <laughs> yeah, but still, it's just funny that Axe is like, you have used 36% of your time, and then like the kids immediately are like, uh, that's like 42 minutes? I don't know, I'm pulling my F out of my ass. I don't know if that's right or anything, but it's like still a case of like, Axe, you can keep track of time so well in your head. Why can't you just tell us? He does later, actually. Like in later books, he'll, stay, he'll start to say, we have oh, okay. 20 of your minutes left. Huh. <laughs> okay, it's just funny that in yeah. like since he's been introduced the last book, he's just been doing no, it like I, this. I, I think after a while he time. realizes oh, these humans understand it better if I can actually put it into units that they that they're used to working with. Yeah, rather than saying yeah. we have used forty percent of the time Axe is like, permitted, Axe, <laughs> like... Axe is somewhat considerate sometimes. <laughs> For the record, uh, you said thirty-six percent and forty-two minutes. That's pretty darn close. That is forty-three point two minutes. Oh dang. I will give myself a pat on the back then for <laughs> pulling math out of my ass that I did not know was actually close. <laughs> um. I mean, obviously, you can easily tell, like, 50% of the time when it's two hours is easily just yeah. an hour. So it's like, you can at least kind of ballpark it a little mm. bit based on that shit. But it's like, it's still, it's yeah. still percentages <laughs> of a not 100% of a not 100 number. Uh, yeah, uh, so they come up with the plan, I guess, the plan, quote unquote. They're going to attack the second the door opens. Like, they're not going to win, but at least maybe they can do some damage before they get dead. And <laughs> Jake... Oh no! I've gotten, I've, I've contracted the dead. <laughs> Jake kind of regrets, uh, rejects this because quote we have to have hope, which I understand, but also my man, just do a thing. Come on, don't sit there and die. Uh, <laughs> and then for the first time, Axe asks if humans are afraid of dying, which you should have asked last book. I feel like considering everything that happens, <laughs> but I like, I like the, uh, the. Uh, quote by the most underrated character in the in the TV show community, uh, Frankie, who only appeared in the last season. Hope is the hope is the deformed incest child of entitlement and fear. So, yeah, it's like you you could fight, but like you're not gonna win, and you need to accept that. <laughs> well, what? That's 
not the issue here. I mean, that th that plan would be, we're going to fight and die here. But Jake's plan is, no, we have to hope something else happens. So, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, uh, spoilers for later in the episode, it does. But, like, there's no way they could have pre predicted that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's they they have no idea knowing that like some shit might happen yeah. with politics. <laughs> Listen, as much as I don't want to go to Jeff Johns here, Blue Lantern Springs don't work without a green one nearby. You know what I'm saying? That's true. That's true. <laughs> but yes, um so they they can watch through the window up all these uniformed Torquebajir and Taxons moving around and there's basically three types of uniforms uh red ones red and black ones golden black ones and then uh brown ones and i'm definitely i i know this isn't what's described but i can't help but envision starfleet uniforms when we're talking about the reds and the golds here um uh, i i mean i posted that in the chat yesterday when i was reading this i just can't help but think of red rising where like the entire society is like basically like refers to people by different like color rankings <laughs> Where it's like reds are like people who like do like terraforming stuff on Mars, even though spoilers, Mars has been terraformed for like two thousand years, and they just are using them as a slavery race, there, basically. There's also um, dark brown uniforms who presumably suck and are dumb. <laughs> yeah, they're they're like the like the yeah, yeah. janitors. Like on I, the I ship feel like they like mentioned two or three <laughs> other alien species among the Warpshire taxons and humans. Uh, and I have to presume that some of them are Geds. We'll learn more about the Geds later. But there's also like a mention of them, I think, in in my chapters. Um, I think of yeah, them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm definitely imagining these Horkbajir in the uh, next generation uniforms because that's what makes the most sense to me to be the colors. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. Just a bunch of Horkbajir and Taxons wearing hats. They get this like weird tension feeling about how the reds and the golds don't really get along and axe suggests that they are the troops of different viscers like apparently each viscer gets to outfit their own troops in their own unique uniforms so i want to know who viscer 3's fashion designer is um <laughs> but then Oh, I mean, they definitely got killed. He's gone through, like, eight of them until they came up with the, like, I guess this outfit looks alright. And it's yeah. just Visser 1's outfits, but in red. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so, the like, a party starts moving through the uh, arrayed troops who are in parade formation, and Visser 3 is being flanked by two Horkbajir in red, who are his bodyguards, who he definitely just appointed, like, ten minutes ago, because his last ones died. Um... <laughs> And these Horkbajir know the... they're not they're not long for this world. <laughs> oh yeah, this is not a job you I, survive. I, I, like I always think of uh I forget what the comic is, but it's like it's like the whole like sending dudes out to fight Solid Snake or whatever, and it's always like, look, that previous guy, I had no faith in him, but you, you're the real deal. Now get out there and the guy immediately gets caught <laughs> and then like meanwhile the guy like, this, the commander is like talking to the next guy being like, That guy had no faith in him, but you you the you're the real yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like how we talked about Grace like uh gaslighting all those kids being like, This is my favorite loot you got, I'm gonna put it in my special collection and she just tosses it aside because <laughs> it's just trash. <laughs> but yeah. Um 
So along with this party, though, there is another person. This is Visser 1, and they know it's Visser 1 because Visser 3 is doing his thing where he just shouts to everyone in the vicinity about what he's talking about, because that's just how he does things. Um, he explains that he's taken the Endolite Bandits and the crisis is over, and I guess she doesn't live on Earth because her trip here is wasted and you can return to the homeworld. So, there you go. <laughs> But the problem is, is that Marco immediately knows who Visser 1 is, because, uh, it's his mom. <laughs> Yay! Yay! This is exactly what happened, what, this is what I thought you exactly thought was gonna happen. <laughs> like, like, like oh, oh, your mom is not dead, she's actually, like, one of the most important people in the yeah. Empire or some shit. <laughs> she's, like, literally, literally, literally like, the of course highest like... ranking Yurk other than the Council of Thirteen. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, the the whole thing is because it was always like, oh, they never found her body, and it's like, well, you're going based on Disney villains things here. It's like, you need to, find, you need to confirm that yeah. the kill happened, <laughs> and if it's not, then they clearly yeah. will come back. <laughs> and then it's like, of course, it's like, you're fighting an alien species that have brain slugs. Of course, he's yeah. gonna be brain slugs. But be yeah, there's definitely a moment in last week's episode where you say, I wonder if Marco's mom is gonna turn out to be Visser 1 or something, and we both have to go. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and the, bo- the two of you are sharing like a like uh, not-in-person I, I, look at each I other. Tried, I tried like, to be hmm. as nonchalant about that as possible. Like, I was like, Vivian is exactly <laughs> right, but I'm not going to react in any way. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I know how stories yeah, are. No, I mean, it's, it's like true. yeah, like <laughs> of course, it's like you you see the fact that it's like this person went missing two years ago and is assumed dead. Of course, they're not. Visser, I have to say, Visser One is one of my favorite characters in Animorphs. Uh, we, we don't know a whole lot about her right now, but um, oh, she's just so cool. She's she's great, and and Visser is such a good book. <laughs> we won't read it for a. We won't oh, read it for a, a long about, time. Though. Is, is yeah, there a there book is. about Fitz or We won't one? read it for a long time, mm-hmm. but there is. Ah. It it's like she's the, she's the main character. <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> huh? Yeah, yeah, that'd be neat when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we we still have the rest of this book to get through, so I guess we'll just continue with chapter yeah. twenty one then, which I have called justified criticism. <laughs> Uh, basically, this is opens up with Marco so stunned by the discovery his mom is alive, but Yurks instead, uh, that he basically just sits down and feels weak about not being able to do anything, <laughs> which is fair. He's he's a teenager up against an alien invasion force and just found out his mom's not dead. Uh, Jake basically just DMs him saying for him not to do anything and hold it together, <laughs> as he's the only one in their group who recognizes Marco's mom, obviously besides Marco himself. Can I just say, I love the idea of calling, like, private thought-speak DMing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, yeah. it is. It's direct messages. Yeah. <laughs> Jake is in Marco's DMs, being like, hey, get it together, my guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's already yeah, wrecked it enough by sitting down as a gorilla. But, like, he, he will say later on that, like, yeah, like, Rachel, Cassie, and Tobias never actually met yeah. his mom. So if if they ever go, her, like, into his house, though, they have a chance of seeing a picture, you know? Like. <laughs> True, but like I, I feel like not many of them have really ever actually really gone into his like the, current apartment. The closest apartment one was Cassie. And she didn't actually go in. She just they were outside. Yeah, yeah, they were just talking on the balcony. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jake probably goes over a little bit, but also yeah, I Jake, mean, Jake's met Jake her before. Jake her, knows her. So. Yeah, I mean, they they straight up say later on like, yeah, you're we're our like we're the oldest of the friend group, basically yeah. the two of us. So we're buds. We've known each other for a long time. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but Jake asks Marco to stand up so that he, they don't look sus, and tells him that it is basically just not his mom anymore. 
But while this is going on, Visor 3 is just too full of himself in his moment of triumph that he can only think about how Visor 1 has scared, air quotes, the humanoid one. He's referring, to, obviously, to Marco the gorilla, but it's like, it's funny that he just says the humanoid one. That one. <laughs> Not the hairy one or anything. <laughs> or the big <laughs> one. Or I guess the bigger one would be Rachel. Uh, but at this point, she just basically puts him on blast by saying that the creature, uh, creature is a gorilla and that he should read anything about the planet he seeks to be in charge of, <laughs> and that she basically only took a human host to learn about the Earth and its people by blending in to enable his invasion to even take place. <laughs> and she basically says that the invasion uh, that he has been put in charge of is in jeopardy because of his other incompetence. Basically, yeah. she... She's saying the stuff we've been saying this whole time. Like he's he's Exactly. Yeah, yeah. As I was reading as I was reading is like finally somebody other than us in the fiction is actually saying what we've been saying and Vista 3 fucking yeah. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, this basically just causes all their troops to get tense, which lets them know that Visser 1 and Visser 3 just don't like each other and therefore their troops super don't like each other. I do wanna uh, say like the the the, the Vister one troops are outnumbered three to one. Like, even oh, they would still definitely clown on them. <laughs> I don't think that's true because the the the, the, the soldiers at least they're not bound by Vister three's incompetence, so to speak. So if they start a fight here, the golds are kind of toast. <laughs> It doesn't matter if the Reds are going to get executed I still feel for like murdering might, a Visser. I still feel like it might be even, because Visser 1 definitely actually has, like, a strict, like, regimen like, compared saying... to Visser 3. He, he just kill, he kills so many of his dudes that they, they, he could easily have, like, half of his people be new recruits or something like, like if, that. Are you saying, like, if Visser point. 3 decided to mutiny against Visser 1? I feel like the Council of 13 would have something to say about that. Also that. I mean... Like, if, if he kills all of Visser 1's troops in Visser 1, I feel like that's something he can't yeah. keep as hidden. I feel like he would be perfectly capable of keeping that hidden. No one else is here. All he has to do is get his troops off the ship, blow it up, and say the Andalites did it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess, Or say, yeah. like, oh, we fought valiantly to prevent the Andalites from killing Visser 1, but they were too powerful, and we only managed to kill them after Visceral One was already very unfortunately dead. Bit pity she only had a human body and therefore cannot yep. fight back. Good. Or Visser Three betrayed all of us and tried to kill us. She actually shot me right in the face, but fortunately I can morph and heal myself. Don't worry about it. Visser One has a human. Visser One has yeah, a human body. I don't think this is spoilers all that much, but Visser One probably has a has a human body. One because humans are very useful as hosts, and two because the invasion of Earth is kind of her baby. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, but in any case, uh, while that while they basically clean, clean that information about their group not liking each other, uh, Visser Three continues saying that the fact remains that he defeated the Andalite forces stationed near Earth and secured the last of their existence. Even though, again, there was only one person actually, not six. Uh, Visser One just smiles at this, saying that the Council doesn't like Visser who make mistakes as he has, and that he will not basically be able to take the title of Visser One. Uh, before leaving with her gold troops, because he's an idiot. <laughs> uh, Marco reflects on how the brain slug in her head is not his mom, while dwelling on the fact that she's still in there somewhere, and just hates himself for not being able to help her, and that the gorilla's brain is too similar to humans to let him seek refuge in it to dull the emotional pain of this whole ordeal, because <laughs> gorillas are smart. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
But he he DMs Jake himself, asking him not to tell anyone, not even Cassie, because it's so obvious that they're actually dating at this point, even if they still have not said anything officially. And Jake, being the good guy he is, agrees since he is his best and oldest friend. He won't let her tell any of them. Visit 3 mentions possibly turning them into his only tenants, just because they're useful, because they can transform and stuff. Uh, but this just basically makes Zack scream at him as an unnatural abomination for suggesting shoving more brain slugs in the Andalites. But this basically just only results in Visit 3 wondering aloud why only Axe actually speaks to him, compared to everybody else. Well, he's also the only one presenting as an Andalite, <laughs> as the others have never done so either. But he also does agree that Axe is right about him not wanting to let anybody else have morphing powers because Visitor 3 is an idiot and doesn't want other people to actually clearly be better at this job than he it's, is. It's funny because Visitor 3 is like, huh. He like almost figures it out. He's like, why do you hide your morphs? Why <laughs> yeah. are you the only one who speaks? Very curious. And then basically says, oh well, and just completely drops the point. Yeah, he, he's... <laughs> He's like, he's sitting there with a royal flush in his hands, and he's just mm. like, hmm, I feel like I have something here, but I should fold <laughs> anyway, just be safe. <laughs> and I was like, my guy, you, you, you fucking idiot, maybe you should actually learn red poker. I do think it's very funny uh, that he has no idea what to do now that he finally caught the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, he's not immediately just like, look, these, kid, these people have gone away from me so many times when I thought I had them cornered, just fucking I'm, shoot them right here. I'm like a dog them. chasing a car. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've caught the car properly, actually, for the first time, I'm like, fuck, what do <laughs> I do? <laughs> but yeah, uh, Marco basically thinks exactly what you said, of like, oh, Visitor is putting the pieces together about the five of them not being in lights at all, but he yeah. just shrugs it off and has them taken to a holding cell with orders to kill them right away yeah. if they cause trouble. <laughs> because, of course, again, he's just giving them every opportunity to escape. <laughs> He is an idiot, as established in the canon mm-hmm. and from us in general. Uh, it is. It is nice to see some gratification. It's uh, not just us. He's canonically an idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is. Everybody else in the Yurk Empire who is willing to actually speak against him knows that this guy yeah. is a fucking who dumbass. Who can do so? <laughs> and tells him that to so his face and live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Visser 1 is just yeah. important enough that it's like, yeah, I can call you a fucking dumbass <laughs> yeah. and not get f- killed by you immediately because you are a dumbass. <laughs> uh, yeah, that leads us into chapter 22, which I called Politics as Usual. And basically, like, Axe reports that they have only 36 minutes left after they've been shoved into their little prison. I'm, I am I forget if he actually did it in a percentage or... I think he did he it. He says 30% left, yes. Yeah, yeah, and they say 36 <laughs> Uh, they discuss various half-hearted escape attempts and how even a week on board the ship to learn its layout would just mean that they would still be completely lost anyway, so they're just fully fucked. Uh, Marco gets lost in thought about when his mom might have been yurked in general, thinking about all the times that she might have been pretending to be his mom with a brain slug in her head all those years before she went missing. Like, having a whole thing of like, was that her or the brain slug giving me Christmas presents and making out with my dad? I don't know. <laughs> kind, of, kind, of, kind of a weird con- uh, thing where I'm like, I'm not sure which was which. Uh, uh, but he does conclude that her death was clearly fixed, uh, basically so that she could turn over Earth to Vista 3 once the invasion of Earth had actually begun under her command. Um, sorry, I do want to just put this here. Mm-hmm. As a person who can't do math, uh, Jake is wrong. They have 40 minutes left, not 36. We call it math. He's 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 undercutting it just to be sure that they can uh, have time to. He's unmorph. trying to be specific and show off his good math skills, but he's wrong. 
Well, you know, you can't be right all the time, especially when you're facing down death or being stuck in an animal form for like the next 20 minutes before you die. <laughs> Uh, X at one point just gives them an Andalite saying of there being grace and accepting the inevitable, which I feel like is just a saying, not an Andalite. Well, it's, it's listen, <laughs> listen, you know, conversion evolution, different, different species might have the same sort of, like, similar sayings, you know? True. Like, oh yeah, we yeah. have that saying yeah. on Earth too. It, it's, it's, I, like, since, they, like, if there's some truth to something, chances are different cultures are gonna come up with similar things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, but this just sets Marco off. Uh, he basically has has a saying of his own about always getting up to come back for more and never surrender no matter what. And then he suggests that they morph back into their ant forms and to escape into the ship's walls and basically just start popping out to do some damage before popping back into the walls for safety. Which is also, can, a, I feel like, a very Andalite way of doing things. Like, going down yeah. fighting. Like if you know you're gonna, I don't think yeah, it is. If you know honestly. you're gonna go down swinging, well, no, because when you can. when when Jake mentioned that Elfangor was like fighting Visser three till the end, Axe was happy about that. Said it was very Andalite, and and yeah, when, and he, but... he he also says something similar when they turned around and fought Visser three as dolphins, even though they knew they were gonna lose. This is basically the I, same thing. I just thing. don't feel like that's. Because, I mean, we know for a fact Elfangor was a weirdo. He's not like other Andalites. Right, right, but also, so... <laughs> also, when they turned around as dolphins to fight Visser Three as the big giant sea monster, uh, Axe specifically said that was very Andalite to, to go down fighting. I, so... I just, I don't, I don't know. I can't really talk about this without spoiling a ton of stuff, but I feel like Andalites are way more sitting around and accepting the inevitable than they are fighting a they're fight both, they can't win. They're both. You fight <laughs> while accepting the inevitable. You do both. <laughs> <laughs> also, I mean, Axe is also like a high-headed teenager. Of course he would want to be like, oh, no, yeah, it's like, like well, it, the, the, I feel like the most Andalite posture to take is go down fighting with your tail blade up while also like accepting that you're going to lose but it's the mindset right it's like you're not gonna go down just sitting and doing nothing but also you're accepting the inevitable and being graceful <laughs> about it like there's a, it's a contradiction but you know what I mean I suppose yeah <laughs> at any rate uh rachel and jake are kind of just into this plan of filling the yorks for as long as they can but basically this would mean doom for tobias since he would not be able to follow them obviously but tobias of course being the good guy that he is uh says that he's willing to be left behind for the good of the group and that he would have to just take his chances but before they can really even do anything uh the door is open at that point and standing there are three gold uniformed Hork-Bajir with four red Hork-Bajir on the floor, either unconscious or full dead, probably dead. <laughs> uh, with their leader telling them the way to the escape pods and that Rachel will have to demorph to fit into them. And that the pods are programmed to conveniently return them to Earth in the same place that they were captured in well, before it's, it's... it self-destructs. <laughs> I don't know why they're programmed because to Because they programmed the them place. to do that. <laughs> because, because... Because oh okay the, yeah okay they, they specifically did not that just 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 not just a case of like oh these this pod in particular that we're leading you to is conveniently programmed no, to I, return I, to that I, court. I feel like this one like wants them to escape and therefore probably program the pod to help them do that. Oh uh, yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, or she sends some like of her soldiers to be like, "Hey, go and program all of those." This way, no matter which one they grab, yeah. they go right back <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tobias thinks this is a trap, but Marco says that they could simply have killed them at any time if they actually wanted them dead. And Axe points out that these are Visser 1 soldiers, and that it'd be embarrassing for Visser 3 if his prisoners escaped. Which basically just makes them all realize that this is just politics enacted by Visser 1 to make yep. 3 look bad. And since they only have about 18 minutes left by that point, they decide to take their chances on escaping once the gold Hork Bashira has left. Uh, with Rachel, of course, taking point because she is a giant fucking elephant, <laughs> can, and Rachel is a point out a detail I like? <laughs> Like so far, all of the Hortbegier that work for Visser Three that we've we've noticed have sounded like idiots. But when the when when <laughs> oh yeah yeah this this one yeah when, like when, when English, the because yeah. specifically like quote like he's been educated at Harvard. So I kind of like imagined him like I don't know if you've seen the scene of uh like the Jurassic Park Three spoof in the critic. Where the Velociraptor <laughs> just starts talking like, oh yes, I shall. That's kind of how I pictured the uh, the Hork Bashir talking. <laughs> this hallway goes in that one direction for a yeah. hundred feet. Y- yeah, yeah. This 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 Hork Bashir showing yeah. up with a teacup and <laughs> okay. a, a, a what do you call it? A uh, monocle in, yes. in his eyes, just being like, then yes, comes the guard station. Well, what to go down here and go down twelve yeah. levels? <laughs> From there, four yeah. hallways. <laughs> yeah, I just like it. it was it was just caught, it was in my head. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this work was here speaking in Cockney. Co- English Cockney would be the opposite. Cockney would be like, <laughs> oh yes, working, he would not understand that work, at all. Working class, like, oh right, uh, yeah, away right, goes on right, in direction for the... hundred feet, gov, like that. <laughs> right, I was forgetting what I was getting the uh, terminology for like BB, the BBC, and like the, uh, received like pronunciation is the official word. BBC English is the. Uh... Oh, okay. <laughs> Although it's Harvard, <laughs> so that's an American school, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Cockney is. Hmm. I mean, straight up, that's what they have uh, Hobie use in the new Spider-Man movie, so. <laughs> Where he's constantly, like, uh, muttering right. and sliding around the words and saying words that aren't the words he's saying, and it has to put up subtitles for him, and... Cockney? <laughs> yeah, like, the, like the, I especially like that, where it's like, he, like, straight up says a phrase, and it's like, it just translates what it is yeah, exactly. from, like, Co- uh, British English Cockney, to... Cockney has English. rhyming slang, which is just, like... The, the biggest not like the most nonsense ever cockney rhyming slang <laughs> makes no sense and it, it i think it's like meant to make no sense yeah it, i mean it makes perfect sense it just you have to speak it it's a language yeah yeah exactly <sighs> oh. but yeah no this definitely is not that this guy doesn't even use contractions <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but that's my chapters <laughs> i do enjoy the way it describes rachel moving down the hallway here uh, squeezing her massive t- I-, I just imagine kind of like a gelatinous <laughs> cube that perfectly fits the hallway and slurping down the- <laughs> yeah it's like i'm gonna get you eventually i'm gonna get you <laughs> uh. Like the, all the like taxons of the later on in the hall in the corridor, being like, "Oh fuck, elephant! It's coming towards us very slowly. <laughs> Just r- run away rather than shoot it." <laughs> yeah. And Bimorito's is like, "I'm yeah. gonna get you. I'm coming." Um, is the end? Is it the end? Of, is that my chapter now? Sure okay, is. Cool, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't know if you got it. Okay, so I've called chapter twenty-three jailbreak because what happens. Um, and yeah, so they morph battle morphs and they get out there and they start 
taking the out that Visser 1 has offered I mean, they, they've been in their battle morphs. Um, yeah, that, that's true. And that becomes an issue later. Which, which you would think would be the smart thing. Well, they don't, they don't, they don't want to morph in front of, like, even in front of Visser 1's troops, you know? But, um... Well, they left. Like, they could true. just, like, uh, conveniently they do have like, a limited okay, give us a time. Second. But they, anyway, they, they, they head out, they, they head out in their, uh, battle morphs. Uh, Rachel's an elephant, so we start off with an auto, like, with onomatopoeia of her, uh, stomping down the hallway. Um... And it's empty until they reach the first guard station, uh, which, of course, has uh, Visser 3's troops. Uh, Rachel doesn't slow down, just bowls over um, Abhorkbajir and attacks on. Uh, we do get the detail that uh, Marco has to jump over the crushed remains of the taxon, so ding for Rachel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Probably too. Like you probably we don't, get uh, both, we don't right? see that the the we don't really get that the Orc Bajir specifically was killed. So I just say one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. So. Well, I guess. I mean, we have been counting Yurk kills. Do you think that this Yurk got squashed? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Uh, that Yurk's not living. <laughs> uh. So more troops jump out. Cassie uh warns people about them. Uh, and one of them goes for Marco. So now we've got enemies heading on them at each side. So we've got, like, you know, conservation and ninjutsu going on. They'll be able to fight them off. Um, <laughs> Axe is excited about this. He yells, battle, uh, quote, like he was announcing a party. Um, so, you know, he's the proud warrior race guy. <laughs> When, whenever whenever Axe gets in the fights, he always envisions himself having, like, the PS1, like, JRPG battle transition of, like, this whole screen wipe <laughs> with its spiraling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then Final Fantasy VII music So one of, the, one of the Horkbashir gets uh, Marco across the, the shoulder, um, but, you know, it's a six-inch long cut, but that doesn't really mean much for a gorilla. It is enough, though, to piss him off. Uh, and, of course, the gorilla's rage is gonna help him quite a bit in this. He just... Punches the Horkbajir right in the stomach, and it goes up and then down. I don't know if this Horkbajir is dead, uh, but... Yeah, that's a question, right? Yeah. Because, like, he does specifically note that this Horkbajir's head slams into the ceiling, but then it says he's down and out of the game, not that he's dead, so... Yeah. Yeah, I, th I don't yeah, think that's, that's a kill. True. Um, so, he sees another, uh, Horkbajir, uh, get its arm cut off by axe um so the the, the horpager staggers back minus an arm that's half a ding for for uh for axe because that yeah we we've yeah. Been, we've we've counted uh tobias counting yeah, up that, people's eyes as half a point that so, yeah, horpager is no longer valid as a host that horpager is dead um we yep. get a little bit of like back yeah. and forth between axe and marco it's it's a nice character moment um, where Marco congratulates uh, Axe on, you know, his his uh, his kill and like good one Axe, and then Axe returns the compliment. Um, and and so it, <laughs> it it is very funny how like Marco in his like internal monologue is like yeah 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 exactly. So Axe and Marco's social link goes up. 
<laughs> or social link established at uh, at a minimum, I think. Uh, but before yeah. now, it's like Axe is just kind of the weird alien. It's cool to have an alien around. Like, you, who? How often do you get to talk to an alien? <laughs> yeah, he joined the group like a few weeks ago, but uh, you know, you needed that yeah. inciting incident to establish the Axe, social link. Axe and Marco, I don't think ever get too close, but they're like friendly. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's he's mm-hmm. Marco's the Marco's the the person who only establishes like level one of the rank just to get like the whole axe will die take a mortal blow for you in combat and that's it. <laughs> uh, uh, just like X and Marco are the broiest of bros. Okay. X and Tobias might eventually be roommates, but they're not buddies in the same way. <laughs> well, Axe and X and Tobias get really close, like. Yeah, but, yeah, but like, there, there, there's a difference there, right? Mm-hmm. There's your person you're super close to. There's your a found family, and then there's just your bro. You know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah, okay. So like, Tobi- yeah. Tobias is is Axe's found family, and Marco is sorry. Uh, Marco's Marco is the guy bro. he calls on the weekend when he needs to play board games yeah, exactly. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Like Marco, we need another person yeah. to play safe. Yeah. You're the only one that actually is into these like uh, like uh, resource controlling mm, games. We're Come playing on. settlers of time. And we need at least two people, but someone it's better does with five. need to move Tobias's pieces for him, though he's gonna have trouble doing that. <laughs> they have to actually rig up a like uh, card holder so this way Tobias can actually yeah. look at his cards and. <laughs> I mean, no, like, they, they sell those. I can imagine, like, Tobias yeah. t- just, like, sitting in front oh, of, yeah, like, a card yeah. holder and, like, picking out the little cards and then plopping them on the... <laughs> yeah, he just, he just grabs the one he wants with his beak and it's like, hey, look, I'm trying to not make sure that any, like, bird spit gets on these if birds actually... I don't like birds actually. You've been putting spit. notches in some <laughs> of the cards and so you just, like, grip a little bit tight, like, looser if you can, <laughs> you know? Uh... <laughs> yeah. They 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 get they have to get like Pokemon card protectors for the entire decks this way. Uh, yeah, Tobias yeah, exactly. Them up. Tobias <laughs> subtly marking the cards by pinching them with his beak in a specific location, and he has the eyesight to notice it, but no one else does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, so he's cheating the entire time. <laughs> like, wow, Tobias, for uh, for a person for a kid stuck in a bird, you're really good at sight. You win all the time, and it's actually that he's been cheating this whole time. <laughs> He know he's like, oh, I know that that person has like an eight strength for this like conflict. I shouldn't actually play any good cards because we're gonna <laughs> lose anyway. Just always me. I don't know if any of y'all know what nope. Scythe is. It's no, a, it's don't. a really oh, good board game. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's one of those like resource building kind of games, kind of kind of mm-hmm. similar to Catan, but it's also like there's a bunch of different win conditions. One of them just building a bunch of mechs mm-hmm. and just dominating the like the, the area basically <laughs> with military force. Yeah, it's, it's neat. It's just super expensive because it's like a $70 more board game. More come out, uh, and, you know, just get more and more of them. And then Jake gets a kill this time um, because he sinks his fangs into the snake-like neck. Ding. Uh, yeah, he finally watched a documentary and learned how tigers learn uh, kill. kill yeah. Um, yeah. Do we give him a Yurk kill for that or just the pork Uh, Because he didn't, like, like, break the head or no, anything. No, the, just... the Yurk the could get out. I feel like yeah. and, and be returned okay. to the pool. Um, <laughs> so the the more they fight, though, the more the odds are going to turn against them because the enemies are not going to stop coming. Uh, they need to escape. And in fact, Rachel, uh, we, we, it's a little bit tense because we get her screaming, so we think, "Oh, what happened to Rachel?" But it turns out she stepped into the drop shaft, and it's literally a drop shaft. It's just a <laughs> shaft yeah. that you step into. <laughs> And there's like an anti-gravity thing that just kind of takes you to where you want to go. Um, mm-hmm. 
It, it's all those fucking chasms that lead to the depths. Yeah, it, it, like, it like understands <laughs> thought commands and speech, as Axe says, so uh, he instructs her to think of the floor that, that she wants, and then she does. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it would... Oh, I guess it's been programmed for human speech, because a lot of the human controllers that they've been bringing up speak English. Um, yeah, and, yeah. I mean, Horkashir yeah. and Taxons wouldn't have thought speech either. So, so. it might understand several different languages. I don't think the taxons have the vocal apparati to speak English or Galard. I mean, it would it would also it would also have to be programmed for a thought speech just because Vithar yeah. 3 presumably well, 3 probably needs to use it. Talks in, yeah. Thought yeah. Um I yeah. do want to say real quick, there's a moment in here where Jake just up and roars in this ship and like a tigerous roar can be heard for about three yeah, miles no. on open ground. Now, like... now everyone knows that they've escaped. Yeah, in an enclosed spaceship where it could reverberate. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like the fact that they apparently just don't have any like alarm system and cameras to be like, "Hey, they escaped." Fuck. It's like, well, at least they let everybody know. I feel like they do, and that's why the Hortbajir are coming. You know, like uh, the odds are turning against them. It's gonna take. It's like not every single soldier on the ship is gonna show up immediately. There's the matter of getting there, I guess. which is what they're doing slowly, which yeah. is why the the time is running out and they need to get out because this is not a fight they'll win if they just stay here. Um, yep. Yeah. Also, I meant to ask earlier uh, when that Harkmajir got his arm chopped off. Do do we actually ever get the sense that like the Yurks have the technology to like like do limb replacement they or absolutely something? Absolutely not. Even with like prosthetics. Okay. Yurks, yeah, that's by which I mean they absolutely the could, but they don't bother. <laughs> the Yurks are a very throwaway. Gotcha. They're a very throwaway culture, <laughs> just like a, just like just just like America. Okay. Yeah. That, that, uh, there's that. There's that Brannigan equivalent of uh, a military force yeah. in space. Then of let's like send wave at the wave of your own dudes until eventually you overcome yeah, whatever is, there is. That Brannigan. Uh, uh, so without any of the charisma apparently. so basically they they drop down there's uh more Hortbajir coming cassie also mentions more of the little wrinkled ones i don't think we ever get like a, a notion of them before nope. we don't get descriptions of the other alien species on the ship i would assume those are gets because they that is the only explanation i can they, think of yes they match like like Geds, I guess, are little and wrinkled. They're. We'll learn more about them later, and we'll get a bit better description of them. But for now, that's all we know. They're little and they're wrinkled, <laughs> and we don't even know they're called Geds yet. Uh, nope. <laughs> so they <laughs> drop down that drop shaft as as ta- fast as they can. We get another scene where where Tobias. Swoops down, uh, uh, um, claws outstretched, and slashes the alien's eyes. I would assume beyond repair. That's half a ding. Yep. Uh, I would say though, he's not swooping down this time. He's literally yeah. flying up the drop shaft. <laughs> the Horkbajir is falling onto him. Oh yeah. Okay. So they're they're like chasing him down the drop shaft. This is like a sort of a chase scene. Um, yeah. Exactly. Gotta say, flying in this thing has to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I. So I did just casually look it up. Yeah, like I mean, I'm seeing Ged first appearance, the predator. Yes. Okay. okay. So I'm trying not to. I'm trying not. I'm trying not to are, read a lot of this because like, I don't want to actually have this spoiled before we find it's out. It's not a huge yeah. spoiler. It's just like the Yurks had to have had a host 
on their home planet, right? Like, yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I knew about, like, even, like, really before we started this, I knew about the kid because that's just referenced in an, an episode of um, Actually on yeah. TV where it's, like, I think they, like, mentioned the kid in, like, a different uh, space fiction series, and, and then, like, the whole, like, um, actually, is actually the kid are, like, the first species jerked yeah. in that yeah. <laughs> They're, um, they're interesting. So... <laughs> They don't seem like they evolved in a very smart way if they have one leg that's they, larger than the other. They, they're, they fucking suck. <laughs> they're, they're terrible. They they're sound terrible like in basically every way. Uh, to the point where they would not... Well, we'll get into that later. Um, yeah. Yeah. Never there to uh, proper. <laughs> so, they get into the escape pods. In order to do that, Rachel has to demorph, and in fact, she has been demorphing. Uh, so at this point, she's like a half-human, half-elephant monstrosity. Um, they've got five percent of their time left, which is six minutes, so they have to morph out now. Uh, and in fact, they do as the escape pod is is exiting. They are now home free. They're on a Yurk escape pod, but it's headed where they want to go. And Visser Three uh, is presumably killing his bodyguards just to take out his <laughs> anger on someone. <laughs> Uh, we're not gonna give him a ding for that because it's just my conjecture, but yeah. Oh yeah, no, you know it happens, but we don't see it or get <laughs> I, it confirmed. Yeah, so we can't give him credit for. I, I would, if, like, if, if we had started this earlier, I would suggest that we give Visser Three at least one point every time the animorphs get one over on him because you know he's killing someone. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah, you know at least one person's dying whenever he gets two um, over. <laughs> and as they leave, uh, Jake and Marco DM each other and. Uh, Marco tells Jake, no one, don't tell anyone that his mom is Visser 1. He doesn't want anyone to know. Um, because Marco is a very guarded person and has a lot going going on beneath the surface, as we have learned in this book. I have called chapter 24, which is the final chapter, Death and Progress. Um, it's at the graveyard. They're at the graveyard. Uh, it's, it's Marco and his dad. And there's, uh, it's, it's a nice sort of scene where his mom is not buried, but where his, where her memorial is. Um, there's, it's, it's just a quiet day, um, peaceful. And Marco and his dad share a moment, uh, remembering his mother. It's hard for Marco because now he knows his mom's not dead. She's in space and it's got a brain slug in her, in her brain. Um, and Marco's dad says he's been thinking and that he's gonna talk about getting his old job back. Um, his, he knows that, that Marco's mom, uh, who I'm gonna call Ava because that's her name. Um, <laughs> like, I don't want to keep saying Marco's mom. He knows that Ava would not be happy about him just kind of being a sad sack uh for the last two years so he's gonna try and like get back on the horse and and get a get a regular job um he thinks that his 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 boss would probably be be willing to take him back um now that now that he's he's wanting to to you know heal and and get get back on the horse um it's a a big decision but marco's proud of him you know, he's he's very proud of his father. He doesn't say this, though. It's not him to say that. He says, oh, dad, you could never figure computers out, especially games, because because his dad mentioned, like, getting getting back on the, on the, because uh, he worked with computers. 
Um, <laughs> and they argue about like who would win, who would who would kick each other's butt at Doom, which is weird because Doom is not a two-player game. It is not. No. <laughs> no. Like I mean, to my recollection, I never played the original Doom. I only ever played the 2016 one. But I'm pretty sure Doom. No, it's like, even, it's, like a, it's a single-player first-person right? shooter. Uh. Yeah, like maybe it's just that like oh like Marco's like oh yeah. you always die at like the the caca demon or yeah, something yeah, bad. Okay. <laughs> maybe I will say yeah. uh, in this is another thing that they changed in the 2011 reprints. Um, they instead of him saying doom here, the quote is. Uh, this is so much worse. I don't know why they did this. Why did I always kick your butt whenever we played just about anything that required two hands and a screen? Mm, yeah. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> we can't have any brand names in, in the reprints for some reason. But they fixed some of the brand names. Like, they they misspell Salad Shooter in this book, and they fixed it for the reprint. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, how is Salad Shooter misspelled in uh in the original books? Because I haven't noticed anything like that. Uh, because like Salad Shooter, the brand, does not have a space. It's one word. Mm. I see. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I um, know that. So they walk away from the gravestone, they go back home, and Marco silently vows that he is going to find his mother and rescue her, no matter how far away she is. Uh, noting that she's probably not even like near Earth anymore, she's probably somewhere else in space, but that that's not going to stop him. Uh, and that's the yeah, end. Mr. of Three did mention that she could go back to the home world. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like, and that's that's the end of yeah. of the Predator. That's the end of our book. Uh, yeah, yeah, we finished one. We finished another. <laughs> so next time it's going to be uh, book six, The Capture, narrated by Jake. <laughs> this is the first book. The first Animorph book I ever read. Uh, Ooh, so, interesting. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. I if if what happens in it hap- like if what I think happens in it does happen, kind of a horrifying yeah, uh-huh. one to start with. Then, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, Vivian. Now that we're done with the Predator, how has your opinion of Marco mm-hmm. changed? I mean, it's definitely improved. I have to say, I don't understand what the Predator in the I don't title either. references, because... <laughs> um. <laughs> like, it's like, it's not Marco, because, like, gorillas aren't Predators, and it's like, I don't think it would be vague enough to be Visser 3, because Visser 3 is always in all these books trying to attack them, and it's like, I feel like you would have to call all the books something related to Visser 3 if you were I, going based on that I being think, the inspiration. I mean... Okay, the, 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 the title, The Predator does have a very specific meaning as far as what Applegate said. So if you have another interpretation, by all means, okay, can, can I, there, there is can something I take, it means. Can I take a guess? <laughs> Go for is it. Is it Visser 1? Uh, no, it's, that's, that's it's what I was much, about to say, yeah. much different than that. Okay. No, it's um when Marco first looks out the window of the blade ship and sees the pool ship, there's a quote here. It just hung in orbit like a predator gazing hungrily at the blue earth below. The predator okay. is the mothership. Uh, the predator is the mothership. Okay. I, I, I guess that makes sense, but it, it's like it would have made it, it feels like it would have been more fun if it was about Marcus. I agree, mom. yes. Like, yeah, like she, she's, she's like been a yerk for so long, even like when she was around Marco, that it's like, ooh, that feels Well, no, it's, it's also that like. The way Visser One regards humanity re- exactly, regards yeah. like 
her host and um just like what she wants to do with humanity is very it's it's very much a predator prey relationship i guess that extends to the york empire as a whole and therefore the mothership so, yeah that, that's kind of like, just york yeah. no well, it's 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 that it has to, it has to do with viscer one's like history with the invasion of earth but we're going to learn about that in viscer a long time from now okay so like Vis- viscer <laughs> one is actually pretty central to the history of how this whole thing happened in the first place um so <laughs> mm-hmm. we'll we'll learn more about her as time goes on um yeah. gotcha oh yeah i just looked it up viscer is apparently book 35 and a half <laughs> and, and i i, I, I I'm, I'm using she her pronouns for viscer one because even even well even yeah i, I was even, even though they... yurks don't technically have gender viscer one has consistently taken female hosts and seems to prefer to um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's similar to like how they always use he him yeah, for Visitor yeah. Three, but it's like. I mean, I, I guess that feels more like in line with like the Andalite yeah. host, but it's like they never but they never say otherwise, and it's like yeah, it makes, makes sense. Three for Visitor One to she her, like the gender of their hosts, um, mm-hmm. which means it like that kind of thing could change if they if they take different hosts, but also. Yerks are not. Yerks might be gender fluid, but they're well, they not also, I think, have preferences sometimes because Visser One yep. seems to prefer taking female hosts. Okay. Yeah, I think we'll see a couple other Yerks who do similar things in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brad Book. I liked it a lot. I will say, it does feel a little strange to me that so much of the book is focused on ant stuff, and then the actual, like, mission-slash-conflict is four chapters, but... Does, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't really include ants in there at all. Like, you, you would think that, like, yeah, like, Marco does bring up, like, we could become the ants again. It's like, that seems like that's where that's going, because it's like, they established that earlier on with so much ant stuff. Like, yeah, this was a nightmare, but there's no ants There's a lot of tension of, like, we don't want to do ants again, we don't want to do ants again, and (laughs) then, like, you'd think the story would go, like, we have to do ants again. But instead, it's like, Visser 1 just kind of shows up and is like, okay, I'm gonna solve all your problems now, because politics. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's... Yeah, it's like, hey, I just, I hate this guy more than I hate y'all, so go ahead and get out of here. It's kind of a sex but it's, like, I don't know, it makes sense... I feel like the the issue is that like given given how, if they did do the ants thing, then there's no way Tobias was escaping. So yeah, yeah, I mean we needed this to happen if for no other reason than we needed to see the interplay of York politics. Yeah. So I get it. It just yeah. feels like this whole uh, exca- escapade is a little out of nowhere. It just doesn't really line up with the rest of the book. Yeah, it's like there's a lot of setup for how you think the finale is going to go, and then it's like, oh, actually, we decided to do something different to establish that some not even all the Yorks agree with each other. And we also need to establish. We also need to establish Marcos Rasson Detra. You know the the uh, exactly like the yeah. Like, like, it's like, this is clearly, like, the book that it's like, yeah, even though Marco for, like, all these books, especially even in this one, being like, this is my last time I'm doing this, yeah. and then I'm out, it's like, clearly this is like, oh, okay, Marco has a reason keep, to stick with the group and continue helping, because now he wants to rescue to his mom. Keep pulling me back in. I wanna... Yeah, yeah, Marco being like, God, I have a fucking conscience, and now I know my mom's alive, it's like, fuck, I can't just, I can't I just see, back out I now. I wanna see the fuck. scene, like, like, 20 years after the over where Marco is is standing in like the the, the yard of his, his his rural property chopping wood and then a government helicopter <laughs> lands and they're like we need you back for one more mission and Marco's like damn it I gave that up 
Get out of here! Okay. Get back in your helicopter edits. and go. Well, I mean, at that at that po- at that point, he's definitely like the old mentor. So, like, he of course will die yeah. if he actually agrees. In that case, if I may edit the scene a little bit, imagine that helicopter coming down, but it's a gorilla chopping wood. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> <laughs> and the Marco Morse, well, specifically because the gorilla is like strong and good at that, so obviously, exactly, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Marco's like, I've spent too many years playing Doom in my retirement. I, I just have weak nerd arms, so I need to be gorilla. Well, Mar- Marco shifts wood. back and he's in his Fantastic Four cosplay outfit as his morphing suit. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gives the like the 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 the, uh, the cliche speech about not wanting to get back in the game, and then they're like, no, they're pulling him back in, and it turns out they have his daughter, and then he has to go and fucking John Wick shit. <laughs> I would watch that movie. <laughs> I, I I like Im- I like imagining his like shitty Fantastic Four cosplay outfit is basically like the little like Spider Man costume oh, no, that Miles no. bought in in War and most of Marco would never settle for a shitty Fantastic Four cosplay <laughs> outfit. Marco would go no, all out. Fair, yeah. He he, yeah, that's true. He he would actually commission somebody to make this, considering that he's always mentioned at times like yeah. we need to have cooler like actually like synchronized uniforms or something rather than just wearing like biking shorts and like gymnastics leotards and stuff. Marco would be so thrilled with the advent of easily accessible full body stockings. Like, you can just buy those at a party city now. You didn't have to. Yeah, yeah, it's so. true. You could at least... Hi, I didn't know you could buy they, that stuff they at will, Party City. They will, I don't think sense. they do ever coordinate the outfits. I think they just nope. kind of keep doing their own thing. It's funnier that they, it's funnier if they just don't. Just in like a tight-fitting t-shirt <laughs> with like shorts. Like, over the course of multiple years, presumably, they keep bringing up, like, we need to actually get on this and have yeah. a better assortment of outfits, but yeah. they just never do, and it's just, they just always are just wearing whatever the fuck they had. I do want to just throw this out there, though. 20 years after the end of the war, Marco's, like, 35. He's not an old man. Think- <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not as gr- he's not the fucking Obi-Wan as we're depicting him. He gets do you think age. skinny jeans would work? <laughs> Which fucks me up. Uh, interesting question. I think if they were tight enough, yes. Uh, I think they might have some trouble with the metal fittings, though. Mm, yeah. So, like, mm. jeggings would be great, but... I think I, think I like... <laughs> yeah, like, like any sort of leggings Look, would be, Looking, would looking work, in I my, like, 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 just, like, considering my closet right now, like, what I would have that would work for that, I think just, like, I have yoga pants and a tank top. I, I mean, I, I think I feel like <laughs> everyone would have something, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I have a shirt that would fit though. I don't really have any like t- really tight shirts. To be fair, that's because I don't like tight shirts in general because they just restrict my throat. I feel. Well, but, like I do have obviously I do have leggings and stuff because occasionally I wear them like, under like skirts and stuff. But like I don't have anything yeah. in like top wise. It's, it's just, people have preferences. Yeah. But... <laughs> Join me on team no sleeves. You'll never worry about a throat cut again. Mm. Um. Yeah, but my arms get cold easily. That's why you like sleeves. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I did have one other thing that I wanted to bring up. Uh, this is a piece of Animorphs Esoterica that I'm dropping in our chat. This is a journal that was available at Scholastic Book Fairs starting in 1998. And the main reason I bring it up is because it's got drawings of spaceships from the series all over it. On the front of the journal, you see the Andalite dome ship and a fighter. But more to the point, on the back of the journal, at the very top, uh, this is a view of the uh, pool ship that yeah. we met today. Yeah. The, the- the pool ship like looks a lot like what I imagined it to look like. Your your stuff usually looks really like looks kind of industrial and squidgy. 
Yeah. Uh, Andalite stuff. It's interesting. I, I kind of pictured the dome ship as having some kind of, like, frame or structure uh, along the actual <laughs> No, it's just a very dome. bad spaceship. Yeah. Yeah, that does. Yeah, now you bring that up. Yeah, the dome ship does not look at as any like structural uh, integrity. I, like depending on if if, if it's some kind of like <laughs> like crazy, a weird mushroom, transparent steel super glass, then maybe the well, dome would, would make sense. Be. I mean, it would ha- yeah, it would have to be. Like, there's no way that like any clear material we have today is. There's a. I mean that 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 kind of thing is 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 in a lot of science fiction. The idea of like transparent steel. So maybe <laughs> that's what it is, but I I kind of did imagine like some kind of structure, like a pleasing a pleasing <laughs> one, but something overlaying the dome. Um, as far as yeah, the I the mean, body of the ship, though, I like that. Honestly, the thing that bothers me most yeah. about the dome ship is that we know that it travels dome first from Axe, which means that this dome is just blocking the entire field of view of anyone who could possibly be in the cockpit. I don't know, they got <laughs> fucking cameras, you know? They got cameras, it's fine. <laughs> like, like the, the, Also, the, I imagine it has more well, of a bridge the, the idea than just a that cockpit. the bridge of a ship would be positioned, like, in an extremely vulnerable place on top of the ship, literally looking out through a window is so <laughs> stupid and it's it's in it's in so much science fiction yeah, but like, like there's there's no like and i understand that comes from like we're basing it on on naval ships but there's no reason to put your bridge anywhere but like in the most protected central location because you can like relay information to the bridge with with cameras and stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's it's like you think of like an X-wing, where it's like the X-wing has like the cockpit more towards the back, and it's like you would actually like be able to accurately aim for that compared to just the front of the ship, because the front of the ship is just going to be well. Able, like, X- X-wings are, are more based on fighter jets, but like the the oh, true, yeah. Uh, what what I'm saying is like in for instance in the in the pool ship up there, the bridge should be just in the middle of that spheroid area, like just in the very middle. The, the, the yeah. most difficult to target. You know what I mean? Just the, the <laughs> most protected area. So you can't just shoot the bridge. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like thinking of like how the York blade ship has like clearly like the cockpit in the very front and it's like that's the part that's like flying mm. towards all the shit and it's like if that gets yeah. hit once you're fucked. <laughs> the, the blade ship is small enough that I think it would be difficult to but I would probably put it like in the little fair. It's it's probably also like has like decent energy shielding or something because it is like a blade ship. It is an important like vessel yeah. for Yeah, but like you know, you shoot anything with enough with enough shredder beams and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah en- enough. Yeah. It's just gonna get fucked. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you're very right about the cockpit thing. the The pool ship here, especially, is one that I'm thinking of as uh, pretty egregious. Because you remember the thing in Star Wars where somebody shoots a fighter and they're going down, and they say, "Okay, well, screw it," and just smash themselves into the battle bridge of a star destroyer. And like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would absolutely happen with the pool ship. They've just got it all hanging out here. <laughs> where? What's also with like the where weird is, vines hanging up? Where the is the, the bridge ship? on the pool ship? I mean, you can see the big head poking off the side, right? Yeah, yeah. You get the thing that kind of looks like a bit like yeah, a bug face. Yeah, 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 I'd imagine yeah it's probably. That, right? That's um. But what's up with the what's up with the those vines? Are the tentacles, the, the weapons, yeah. and and uh, and drone generators and all that stuff. All the little little oh, okay. all the little auxiliary dangly bits. And and sensors and whatnot. Gotcha. Um, basically, I'm just trying to figure out why that 
I'm just trying to figure out why the legs also have teeth. <laughs> For biting? Yeah, I don't know. It's like, I've, I've seen several different, like, ways of, like, depicting Yurk stuff. And one of them <laughs> is to make everything look as buggy and slimy as possible. Um, yeah, I mean, it makes yeah. sense. They are brain I, I understand like, that impulse. They want to make more stuff look like bugs. Like, I don't know. I, I definitely get that impulse when designing your stuff, but at the same time, it's very, uh, how do I put this? They're scavengers, you know? Yeah. So I don't think they would necessarily have the ability to just make everything all buggy because they're bugs. Well, they're, I mean, they can, they can, they, they, they scavenge, I mean, they, they have, scavenge they technology and repurpose it. I think they still manufacture things. Yeah, absolutely. I just, like, they don't have technical knowledge in the way that other species do, so I feel like they would be more or less constricted to the original designs, lest they break something important. I, I, feel, I feel like they do have some technical knowledge, they just, like, don't make new science or new technology. They just know how to repurpose it. The Because I remember, like, when another, another parasitic, mind-controlling species that scavenges all their technology and doesn't produce anything of their own is the Gould from Stargate. And mm -hmm. they've got like a, a weird Egyptian aesthetic going. I feel like I feel like you could you could establish a look even if you're repurposing everything. Uh, although I usually picture the Yurks as like having jet black spiky stuff. Uh, yeah, they're they're pretty edgy and goth. Yeah, um, like a lot of blacks and reds, Especially... and a lot of uh, like hard lines and spikes. <laughs> Like, not to get too specific about it, but we will see uh, a planet that the Yurks have conquered later in the series. Like, we'll be on that planet. And it is extremely, like, Mad Max core spikes and black leather. and <laughs> <laughs> Kind of like, I, I kind of picture them as, as, like, a little bit like the... A little bit like the Dark Eldar um, aesthetic. <laughs> Partially because... Uh, Andalites are very Eldar. And the Yurks have mostly repurposed Andalite technology, so it. That's I think fair, I think yeah. it should look like Andalite Andalite technology, but uh, eviler. Evil. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's like the Fright Zone aesthetic, where it's like you just look at that, and it's like, how does anybody in the Fright Zone army ever actually not consider the fact? Well, that the Yurks the, the Yurks have considered that fact, and they've rejected it. <laughs> They're like, uh, do you... the the whole like ah yes Reapers declaration from the uh, well, any, the fucking Turian counselor being any, like we have this time anyone planes. brings up like don't you think that this what you're doing is wrong to Yerks they'll be like uh I'm sorry do you eat beef <laughs> <laughs> like that's literally that's li do you eat the do you eat the space hamburgers from the space cow like, that's, that's, that's literally their answer that they'll they'll give to that uh, I'm sorry like. Well, there's a difference between, like, you know, raising animals for consumption compared to oh, enslaving you mean, people. Oh, you like, hey, it's just another kind of own. consumption. Like, that's literally what, yeah. what the Yurks want to do. They want to consume humanity. <laughs> it's just like, look, we just want to eat the Earth. Is that so much to ask? You eat the, you eat the animals on the Earth, we just want to yeah, eat the listen, planet. Listen. It's just on a larger scale. I mean, humanity's kind of going to do that in another 30 years from this timeline of Animorphs anyway, so what's, we're just get, doing it in a different way, rather than just global warming yeah. and taking but, away Earth's natural resources. Listen, capitalism is for. 
You know, you're consuming <laughs> humans, specifically their labor. <laughs> I, there it is. I think that's the title. <laughs> Which is, you're not wrong. <laughs> All right. Um, I did have one last thing that I want to touch on, and it's, it's extremely minor. This is another thing from the reprint. But in the original copy of this book, uh, Marco says Spider-Man and omits the hyphen, and in the reprint they fix it because they know Spider-Man's sensitive about that, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is that, like, comic that's been going around of Spider-Man being like, look, I need to interrupt you because I can tell you're saying Spider-Man without the hyphen, and it just... <laughs> <Yeah. Exactly. laughs> that's that bit. <laughs> Which is very funny that he's, like, clued in enough to actually be able to tell when people are not doing that. <laughs> But to be fair, I mean, when most people type the word Spider-Man, they're typing it as one word anyway. They're not typing it as, like, two separate words. Well, they're doing it wrong. Um. (laughs) I mean, true. It's just that people are lazy and don't want to actually, like, have to, like, do the hyphen or space. (laughs) But yeah, no, that's that's all I've got for this episode. So what are our final thoughts on The Predator? (laughs) Uh, go on. I mean, it... Oh, go ahead. Uh, Okay. Like, it is still, like, useful to actually have Marco's, like, internal thoughts because like i mean we've seen like little hints that he actually does care even if he says he doesn't care throughout the rest of the books but it's like it's very helpful to actually have him like narrating stuff to be like oh okay this is why he actually does keep doing this stuff even if he keeps saying he wants to get out and like obviously he now properly has a motivation for continuing with it (laughs) so yeah i mean it's it's kind of weird because it's like Overall, I feel like not a lot of stuff really happened in this book, so it's probably one of like the lower-rated ones, that I would say, just in terms of like progressing stuff overall. But it's, again, it's useful to have Marco's like actual like yeah. feelings about yeah. stuff, even if overall not a lot really happened. And again, the title of the book really doesn't fit, <laughs> even if it does in a sense in terms of the, of the ship, but overall, no. I, I like Marco books in general because he's got a good sense of humor. And even if the jokes aren't immediately funny, they are at least entertaining. Um, and and I appreciate that. I also like hearing a little bit more of what's going on behind the scenes in Marco's brain, um, because, you know, he cares a lot more than he lets on, uh, and half the time when he's saying a joke, he's, like, covering something up. Like, he can't tell his dad he's yeah. proud of him. He has to, he has to, like, rib on his dad a little bit. Yeah, he, he has, he has to, he has, yeah, he basically has to, like, egg him on a little bit, being like, ah, you suck at video games, old man. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, it's like, you could just hug your dad yeah. and be like, no, thanks. When, <laughs> thanks for, thanks for finally trying to when Mar- when, move on. When Marco with your life. <laughs> makes fun of someone, that's his way of expressing, expressing yeah, that's, that's that he cares about he cares. them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And yeah, like he 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 he's not a very sincere person. So it's good to see ah. us like get inside of his brain a little bit to see that no, he actually does give a shit. He actually does care about yeah. his friends. He just like has a hard time communicating that kind of thing. Uh, I like that a lot. Um, yeah. And like again, like he has reasons for not wanting to continue putting his life in danger mm-hmm. because of the fact that it's like yeah, he doesn't want to put his dad through having to deal yeah. with another family member. And then we get we dead. get a little bit more of like the the whole uh, sad Marco plot where uh, we learn <laughs> that that Marco's mom is is Visser One, and that's going to be a very very important like a very important yeah. uh, aspect of his character and his motivations in the future. Yeah, this is definitely, I think, the weakest of the Marco books to me, but that makes sense, because, like, with the exception of the very first book with Jake, we're kind of in what I like to call the motivation arc of the series, 
which is just yeah, each character I mean, in turn sense. learning why they need to fight this war. Yes. So yes, <laughs> yeah, like like Rachel's whole thing being like, oh, okay, people actually know besides my friends are being affected well, by this, and that's fucked. Like Cassie learning that she actually has to maybe make decisions for once rather than just going live with the group. Wants. I I don't even necessarily want to exclude Jake from that one because while Jake's book does have to deal double duty with introducing us to the story. Oh yeah, I mean, he does find out his brother's yeah, also in Europe. Yeah, that, that um, Tom is a controller and that he needs to do this for Tom, at least. Well, if I may, the reason that I specifically exclude the first book from the motivation arc is because I think that the second, the, the second Jake book, the next one we're going to cover, is much better at that. Mm, so okay, yeah, that's fair. Um, that's that's true. Yeah, like I mean, there's still at least like there's at least still some in there of like, oh, my brother's been yurked, I need to help him out. So it's like. There's at least that, but yeah. again, yeah, there's, there's, there's just so much set up in, in that in first In the next one. book we're going to read, it's also, like, one of the points of contention is, yes, Jake wants to save Tom. What happens when that conflicts with the premise of saving Earth? Like, exactly, Tom yeah. would be great if he was saved, but he is host body to a high-ranking Yurk a controller, and therefore the enemy. So... Yeah. It, it's it's kind of funny that it's, like, very across the Spider-Verse of, like, you can do this, or you could save, every, like, yeah. all the universe is kind of the old, and it's like, mm. and meanwhile, like, uh, yeah, it's that whole, con like, conflict of, like, can't you do both? And it's like, yeah, mm, maybe, um, maybe not. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's... Jake's motivations are both personal, but also, like, altruistic, and he's gonna have to choose between those. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I mean, it's it's weird, because it's, like, even in the Tobias book, like, we basically already kind of had his oh, motivation yeah, he wants to for fuck why he, he does wants to fuck him help, up. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, like, but we've had that since, like, book one. Oh. Like, he's been into, he's been fully yeah. on board with morphing and fighting the alien invaders since book that's one. That's true of everybody. We got the broad strokes there's... of every motivation in book one, well, yeah. but every single one of these Two. books is about learning more in depth and how they need to adjust to the fact yeah. that this is a thing they have to do. <laughs> how, how does that, I, I feel like Tobias's book yeah. is really more focused on his internal conflict. Like, how, how does he, how does he learn, how does he learn that he has to fight the Yerks? Well, because there's that whole segment later in the book where he gives himself up, right? He, he lets himself become the hawk, and it's the burden of uh, needing to be responsible yes. for humanity that brings yes, him back. because he's defining it. Like, the, uh, the true, fight yeah. against the Yerks is the thing that's keeping him cogent and, and like, exactly. yeah. So, so like, the, the fight against the Yerks like, is... Yeah, it's the thing that, keep, it's the it's thing that keeps the boy around in him. It's one of the things that's keeping bird. him human. Uh, yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, it's just that there's, like, a lot of, like, really existential dread in that book, because it's, like, again, like, well, kind of want to, like, eat some rats and stuff, because yummy rats, but also, boy, <laughs> trying to con trying to contend with that while being a person, being like, I ate a, I ate a mouse, yeah. oh no. <laughs> uh, to be fair, like, that's basically, like, all these books at this point, because it's, like, they basically had that as ants, and Jake had that as a, as a yeah. lizard with the spider. <laughs> feel like this is gonna escalate over time of like them being like yeah you know i had, I had to do what i had to do as an animal and you know stuff happens <laughs> uh, well uh honestly that's probably the most succinct summary of this series that is possible so i think <laughs> uh we're probably pretty clear here so we will be back next week for the first part of book six the capture but until then it's important for y'all to remember that uh zero did nothing wrong zero did nothing wrong <laughs>
I I rather lost for trying to think of analogies for having to basically just go along with what you say about Zero doing nothing wrong because it's been long enough and I don't have any. Come more. on, you got this. It's only six more weeks. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's another month and a half of episodes. <laughs> also, I don't workshop any in my spare time. That's on me. <laughs> uh, bye, y'all. <laughs>